another episode of the Pats Podcast, a series where we showcase the extraordinary efforts and careers of athletic trainers in the state of Pennsylvania, while also continuing to advocate for our profession across the country. My name is Jason Kopek, proud to be back here as your host once again today and continue our conversation with our subcommittee groups after taking a brief pause where we heard from our uh, you know, recent guest, a uh, graduate assistant who recently went through that uh, process and happy to be joined today by Joshua Kramer, the chair of our practice advancement committee. Josh, how are you doing today? Great. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, I know my introduction really only scrapes the surface. Um, you, you know, you you do a lot more than just the, uh, the subcommittee here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, uh, I come from a family full of uh, healthcare and medical professionals. So, you know, as a kid, the one thing I said I was never going to do is go into a healthcare or medical profession. <laughs> um, uh, but then I got to college and, you know, I, I, I grew up loving sports and playing all sports. And uh, part of my, um, I don't know if I want to call it a dream, but mm-hmm. part of my ambition at the time was to go into sports casting. So I went into communications and sports casting. And while in school, I, geez, I don't even know if I remember how I discovered athletic training, but I did. And I was like, well, you know what? This is, this is kind of interesting. It's, it's sports, but it does merge with healthcare and medicine. And even though I said I was never going to do that, right. it's, it became a, an interest. Yeah. So that's how I fell into athletic training and, uh, this was down in North Carolina at a small school called Catawba College. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I double majored and minored uh, in speech. Um, mm-hmm. Don't ask me why, but I did. <laughs> um, and then uh, I continued on and did my uh, graduate assistantship at the University of Florida. And then after a seven-year break from school, um, I... I was slowly following the trajectory of the doctor of athletic training program at the University of Idaho, where the degree was created. And after a couple of years of seeing that program develop, I decided to apply and I was fortunate enough to get accepted. And I did my doctorate uh, from 2014 to 2017 at the University of Idaho. You, you also mentioned something to me uh, before we started recording earlier today. Um, but, you know, not only do you bring a diverse background, but you uh, you bring a little bit of an athletic background with you, too, as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I like I said, I played yeah. a lot of sports when yeah. I was growing up. The two that I was most passionate about um, were tennis. And I grew up doing all kinds of martial arts, uh, karate, taekwondo, krav maga, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the two that I spent my whole life doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, uh, so long story short, um, because I double majored and minored in college, I was in undergrad for five years and I played tennis on the team for three of those five years. And, um, you know, unfortunately I had a little bit of a falling out with my coach and I decided to step away from the team. Well, when I, when I applied to university of Florida, um, the coach at Florida had reached out to me asking if I would be interested in uh, walking onto the team. Wow. And, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with eligibility rules. And I, honestly, I don't even know what's changed nowadays. But back then, you were eligible to play a sport eight semesters out of 10. Mm-hmm. So I was in undergrad for five years for 10 semesters. So 
realistically my eligibility had run out when I got to University of Florida. The coach at Florida and I tried appealing and the NCAA did not approve it. Uh, so at that time, I decided to make a go of it professionally. And I did that while battling some injuries on mm-hmm. and off uh, from 2006 to 2010 into 2011. And where, where did the professional, uh, you know, career in tennis take you? I mean, a lot, a lot of travel. Were you all over the place with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to stay as local um, as I could because it gets very expensive traveling. And I really did not want to rely on others to help um, to help pay for a lot of the expenses. Yeah. So I tried to manage my schedule the best I could where I didn't have to fly as often. Mm. Um but yeah, I, I played all over, um, definitely all over the United States. Um, and, you know, like I said, I did this while battling some injuries, so right. I never fully got going, but I did eventually um, hold a ranking of 1,461 in the world. Um, and then it was shortly after that, that I, uh, I had, so I had elbow surgery and then I had my first shoulder surgery. And after the shoulder surgery, I, I was ready to hang things up. <laughs> Josh, what I wasn't prepared for today, I mean, I think we could have done a whole separate episode on your athletic career, um, but I don't know if that's what we had in mind. But uh, so j- jumping forward, uh, you know, so University of Florida, seven year hiatus with the University of Idaho and your DAT uh work um stops in between employment wise you know now that you like you know jumping forward to being fully engulfed in the athletic training uh profession yeah so i um i kind of jumped around a little bit while i was in college i did an internship with uh two of the chicago white Sox minor league affiliate teams Mm -hmm. um so you know i my first if you want to call it real exposure was that internship Um, And then when I graduated from Florida, I wanted to learn more of the business side and the insurance and scheduling, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I actually took a job as a, um, oh, you know what? I don't even remember the name of the actual Mm -hmm. position that it was, um, but it was with the Philadelphia Hand Center. Um, And this afforded me the ability to do some clinical work as well as, you know, handle the insurances and, and learn sure. the business side. Um, because, you know, deep down, I've always had aspirations of opening up my own sports medicine facility. Mm-hmm. So this was one of those things where I was like, all right, I'll get, I'll get this experience, but it wasn't really meant to be a long-term thing. And then um, after that, I actually moved back down to Florida, back down to Gainesville for a year because um, I was helping finish up some research um, that somebody that one of the professors down there was doing that was similar to some of the research I was doing when I was in grad school. So I was back down there for a year, uh, 2011 into 2012. And then I moved back up here to the Philly area. And shortly after that, I found my way into working for Novacare mm-hmm. and, uh, I was contracted out to Germantown Academy yeah. and I spent, uh, nine and a half years at, Germantown Academy. And then about two years ago, actually, literally two years ago, I uh, transitioned into a management role. And I'm now the area director of sports medicine for the Southeastern PA region. Are you still at Germantown Academy, you know, in any capacity or is is now your position, you know, fully admin? Uh, yeah, my position is fully admin. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first stepped into this position, 
uh, it was really a matter of um, trying to find someone to replace me at GA. Yeah. So for the remainder of that school year, so this was the spring of 2022, I was doing both jobs, uh, working at GA and area director. Mm. And then luckily we were able to hire someone that August. So the spring of 2022 was my last full time at GA. Yeah. What was it like when you were managing both, um, you know, from somebody kind of similar that does both clinical and admin work? I mean, it's sometimes hard to balance both, would you say? It it was incredibly difficult. Um, it would not, I mean, not only managing two jobs, but I was learning this area director role. So it's not even like I was familiar with it. Luckily I had the support of, you know, my supervisor Mm. and the other people around me within the company to help with some of that load while I settled into everything. Yeah. And then, you know, day-to-day life like today, um, you know, what does your role, uh, entail? Um, so it, it, every day can be completely different, honestly. Um, typical athletic training, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, some of it is managing schedules, you know, with our school contracts and our outreach partners. Uh, some of it is connecting with new, uh, potential partners. Um, some of it is, uh, management calls and meetings on the NovaCare side. Mm -hmm. Uh, today I've been doing a lot of, uh, editing of contracts and proposals and Mm -hmm. invoicing since we're approaching the end of the year, I got to get some of these invoices in. Yeah. And then, uh, Josh, so coming back up to, uh, the Philadelphia area, when did you start, you know, kind of jumping into the mix with Pats? Uh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have been a strong advocate for our profession for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually, I, you know what, I probably shouldn't have worded it like that. I have been, um, I've had strong, um, I don't even know what the right word is, um, strong opinions and thoughts about certain things regarding our profession. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until COVID hit um, where I was working at uh, an industrial site doing COVID testing and screenings. um, And I'm sitting at the site one day and I'm like, I'm reading about everything that's going on with our profession. I was sitting in all these meetings about what NovaCare was trying to do with the athletic trainers, what some of these other companies were doing and seeing everything that was happening. And I was like, I want to be able to be a part of change and I'm not going to be able to be a part of it until I get involved. Right. And it was at, it was the spring of 2020 where I had reached out to um, Shelly at the time, who was a Pat's president. And she connected me with, Kelly, who was the COPA pres or COPA chair at the mm-hmm. time, and I joined COPA. And then about I don't know six months after that, I joined the governmental affairs committee as well. Mm-hmm. So I've been a part of both of those committees now for a little over three years. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's been a few changes within COPA where Kelly stepped down as chair, and Stephanie Walsh took over, and then. Uh, August of 2022, Stephanie stepped down as chair and that's when I took over. Yeah. Uh, I, I imagine, you know, kind of, you were alluding to, you know, the, it's gotta be people that with the strongest opinions, but then don't take action has gotta be a frustrating component. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a, I deal with this with my, uh, with my fiance all the time. (laughs) She's a special ed teacher and, she actually just changed school districts this year after almost 20 years at her previous district. But 
I know some of the frustrations she went through at her previous district. And I, I said, I remember saying to her one night, I'm like, listen, you can complain all you want, but if you're not going to do anything about it, what's the point in complaining? Yeah. And that's when she stepped up and got involved with the district union. And it was shortly after that where I was like, wait a minute, why am I giving this advice to her and I'm yeah. not doing the same thing? Right. So, yeah. What what has been, uh, you know, being a member of Pat's meant to you thus far? Uh, it's huge. Um, you know, it's, I feel like one, it gives myself and the people on our committee a voice. It gives a voice to the people that, you know, bring stuff to my attention. Um, I can't promise that I can always answer or help in the way they want. But, you know, if people don't speak up, then there's no hope of change. So, you know, it's been important for me to be a part of Pat's. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the changes that have taken place within the committee have, I don't want to say halted, but they've slowed things down a little bit on, you know, what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's also... And you're well aware of this, yeah. everybody's well aware of this, but the last three years, uh, it was a difficult time for our profession where, mm -hmm. you know, COVID hit, we made the final transition from the bachelors to the entry level masters. Mm -hmm. And with all of these expanding uh, non-traditional settings, opening up hiring practices for athletic trainers, the profession is just, it's all over the place right now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of our uh, last couple of guests that we've had on, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say that that was the topic that we centered the conversation around, but that's why we uh, we had Garrett Miller on last, who was, um, you know, as we said, he, you know, he's one of the last people to do the graduate assistant role. Um, but the, the 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 GA model going away has come up in probably in our last four episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um... It's unfortunate yeah. because I think the GA position was a great stepping stone mm -hmm. for people to get that working experience, but still have that, if you will, that safety net. Yeah. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how the profession develops from what it is now. Yeah. Uh, I do think some of the larger universities, at least from what I hear, are trying to keep GA, some GA positions open where people might be going to grad school for say like nutrition or mm. something else yeah um and they can you know step into that ga role the only right. problem is there's no there's no continuity and consistency knowing that you're going to have somebody to fill that role every year right right now you, you, i mean you, you're literally uh you know speaking the exact words that we've we've talked about where you know i, I think i mentioned on the last episode I, i'm not I'm not here to say that it's the the right decision, the wrong decision. You know, the, the only thing that I chimed in with was, you know, I felt disappointed that that opportunity was no longer available because I really valued my grad assistantship. And like you said, a safety net where uh, I was trusted to be, uh, you know, a healthcare provider. Um, you know, I, I passed the certification. I had the right credentials. But everybody understood that there were going to be some things that I haven't experienced yet in year one and year two. And there was always people to bounce those ideas off of. And yet, um, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed to see that that opportunity wasn't going away. And like you said, th those opportunities were nationwide. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say whether or not I agree with the decision to to transition to the entry level masters. Um, well, we try to keep this I podcast non-controversial too, you know? So. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> 
And and honestly, it's not important whether right. you know what any exactly. of us thinks because it exactly. happened. It's over with. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, it's a part of the profession, the profession development. Yeah. So if that was the necessary step to take, you know, it is what it is. But I agree with you. It's unfortunate that these GA positions have fallen by the wayside. For for somebody that has their DAT now, and you know, you went through that um, <clears throat> that process. Uh, Interesting conversation. A colleague, uh, not an athletic trainer, not in the sports medicine department, asked me not not too long ago whether or not we saw this model coming back with those individuals pursuing their DAT program. Um, yeah, has that ever come up in conversation? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, should, should I have not brought that up? Or <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. It's a it's a great topic. Yeah. I could do a whole okay. a whole, a whole episode. Yes. Just on this. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. The DAT is incredibly interesting because to the best of my knowledge, um, the only, there's only two other, um, healthcare professions that have post-professional doctorates. And mm -hmm. I may be wrong about this. Mm -hmm. The only other two I know of are occupational therapy and nurse practitioners. Yeah. Um, and for those people listening who aren't, uh, who don't understand what I mean by that is, you know, when you look at physicians, MDs, DOs, when you look at physical therapists with the DPT, um, these are all professional degrees. Mm -hmm. So these are the degrees you need to enter your profession. For nurse practitioners, athletic trainers, occupational therapists, um, it's a master's to enter. Mm -hmm. So the doctorate is is a post-professional degree. Um so, but the DAT is unique, um, and I, I don't know if the DAT, you know, 10 years from now is going to look like what it does now, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's valuable for our profession because I do wholeheartedly believe that athletic trainers are still undervalued in the world of healthcare. And I think for all of those athletic trainers now that are graduating with an entry-level master's, if they were to go on and get their doctorate, it shows that we have advanced knowledge um, to bring to the table. And, you know, I listen, I, I, I'm no expert, yeah. um, but in my mind, that's only a positive for enhancing salaries mm -hmm. and respect uh, in, the, in the healthcare and medical world. Yeah. Uh, Josh, one of, one of the most uh, you know unique things that I found so far with this podcast is uh, for somebody that was a little bit new to Pats uh, like myself, um, you know, getting to kind of meet all of the influential people um, and kind of learn about you know all the work that gets done you know behind the scenes. So for anybody else like me, and you know, I'm, I'm transparent, and you know, tell us a little bit about the Practice Advancement Committee, what it is, what it does. If you had to summarize it in two to three sentences, sure. Uh, so the, the the original goal of the practice advancement committee was to really highlight the non-traditional or what we would refer to as the emerging settings. So these are the you know the non-school or professional sports settings. Yeah. Um, for example, industrial or hospital physician practice, mm -hmm. performing arts, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, military is a big mm -hmm. one nowadays, um, and there's a lot of exposure when when students are in school they learn about the profession, but they really generally learn about the traditional settings. They mm -hmm. learn about the secondary schools, the colleges, and the professional sports. 
because to be honest, that's what most athletic trainers do. Most associated. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when they hear other professionals talk or when their professors are talking, you know, that's where most of the experience comes from. So part of the goal of this committee was to highlight those other professions to be able to connect professionals and students um, with the right people so they could get information on these professions if they have any interest um, or just to make them aware that these these uh, positions are out there um, so that they can look into it on their own. You know, since COVID hit, um, we've seen, um, you know, some people call it a shortage. Um, I, I, I don't really believe that there's been a real yeah. drop off in numbers of athletic trainers. Right. But I think what's happening is there's so many non-traditional settings popping up hiring athletic trainers now that the ratio of available jobs to athletic trainers is just it's outrageous. Yeah. Um the last I, I saw nationally, it's like 12 jobs to every athletic trainer across the country. Yeah. So now we're trying to get back to just promoting the profession as a whole um, and the importance of athletic trainers in the school settings, at the college level, you know, et cetera. I'm going to uh, speak up for the two of us here. Um, one, one of the recent episodes I'd put out, uh, our own president, Nikki Catano, stopped by my office and yelled at me for using, uh, saying that it was a shortage. So I just want to, uh, you know, interject here that you and I both understand that it's not a shortage and it's just perceived as a, sh- a shortage throughout the workplace. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really just how and you she define... she did it in in good spirits. But I said, Nikki, I never right. said it's a shortage. I said it's alluded to as it. So Nikki, I know you're listening. You're you're you know you're you're one of our dedicated listeners. We know it's not a shortage. Sorry, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh, before we had uh, started recording here this morning, you had uh, kind of mentioned that you you know you were a little uncertain about the the long history of this. Uh, committee, but, you know, what you had just spoke on being it's the emerging settings, uh, you, you had mentioned you had taken the role in August of 22, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. What, yeah. what do you, what do you know about the committee before you, before you took it as whatever that, uh, capacity may be? Uh, well, the best I can speak to that is yeah. when I took this role, um, or sorry, when yeah. I joined the committee, um, we were, so we, we had just gotten into um, looking to do webinars, to mm-hmm. highlight the emerging settings. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and this was obviously put on hold for um, a few different reasons, but at the same time, it, Pats was hopeful that they start looking into third-party reimbursement from insurance companies. Oh. Um, that, like I said, got put on hold very quickly because – um, our, our executive board and governmental affairs committee and, and uh, whoever else is involved have been working, um, eff- putting so much effort into mm. updating our state practice act that that has to take precedence. Um, so, you know, once we get to a point where hopefully the practice act is amended and, you know, where we needed to be for now, um, then maybe we can get back to a point where we're looking at third party reimbursement. But mm. that was one of the I think it was my first meeting with COPA where uh, that topic had come up. So we were brainstorming, you know, what we would need to do. And we were researching what some of the other states that had already started exploring third-party reimbursement had done. Yeah. And then since you took over your role as the chair, I mean, has the vision of this committee changed at all? 
Uh, only in the sense of what I was alluding to before yeah. that, you know, our focus isn't going to be just emerging settings anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to focus on promoting the profession as a whole. Yeah. So the traditional and non-traditional settings. If you, uh, you know, to summarize, what would you consider to be accomplishments with, with you as the chair? What are you striving to achieve? Um, you know, it's... I wish I could give you a list of accomplishments. Um, it's been a little tough since I took over because we've had a great deal of turnover with the committee yeah. um, where um, five of the long-term committee members that, uh, you know, when I joined, they were a part of the committee yeah. all had to step away. Right. Um, so, you know, we have one of the committee members left who was on the committee when I joined and then I was able to recruit three new people. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, one of my biggest goals right now is just looking to continue to recruit people to join the committee. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I, I would like to say I'm proud of, you know, obviously it has to play out a little longer, but we decided to bring, um, student liaisons onto our committee because we feel that getting the student voice and hearing their thoughts, their questions, their concerns will help us direct us into how best to serve mm-hmm. um you know so while we are looking to promote the profession to everyone including current professionals we certainly want to make sure that the the graduating students have some direction and aren't left you know you know with a degree and not really sure where to go from there yeah it, no matter how long your tenure is with this committee with one year three years five years um you know, at the end of it. So, so down the road, you look back, um, what, what are you hoping to achieve? Is there specific things that you have in mind with this committee? You know, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I want to, I want to get to a point where the professional settings available to athletic trainers are, and I, I don't want to say on equal footing with exposure, mm-hmm. but are getting the the constant exposure and recognition that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are already aware of this. Athletic training is one of the most versatile healthcare professions out there in terms of all the different job settings we work. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting that exposure, one, only helps people, you know, looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, it helps these different, job settings, these different practices and locations, uh, hiring. So if we can, if we can get that to a point where, you know, uh, Johnny's graduating from X school, he's taking his, he's sitting for his BOC exam and his goal is to work, uh, in the military, mm-hmm. then he's got easy access to figure out where to go, who to talk to, where to apply, um, so that, that's really my biggest goal is yeah. to just make sure that everybody has that exposure so they can choose what they want to do. What are, what are the challenges then uh, that either you or the committee as a whole uh, are facing that those uh, those accomplishments are not easily attainable? Uh, honestly, the biggest challenge is um, contacts building the right contact list and getting communication from the people Mm -hmm. that work in these settings. Um, Just to give you uh, some clarification uh, back in 2020, we did uh, at least one, maybe two webinars 
where we highlighted different emerging settings. And it took us a little longer than expected to get these webinars up and running mm-hmm. because the communication from the point of contact um, with some of these emerging settings just was very delayed and very mm-hmm. slow. Yeah. So it's really building that uh, source, that contact list. Um, but we're getting there. We're, we're building it. And, you know, hopefully we can get to a point where we have, you know, key members. Uh, well, you know what? I, honestly, some of these people aren't even part of Pats because they might be from a different state. Sure. Um, but but getting that those point of contacts where we have that source now available to share with everybody who's interested. What can we do as members of Pats, uh, whether or not we're on the committee or we're not on the committee? You know, what can we do as as a society to help you achieve these goals? Oh man, you're throwing some uh, curveballs at me. I mean, honestly, the best thing that uh, we can ask from everyone is just tell us what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're interested in a specific job setting, mm-hmm. um, you know, it gives us some direction to focus and say, hey, we need to find a, a point of contact in this setting um, and help direct that knowledge back to the, the general public. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's really the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, there's so many different settings out there afforded to athletic trainers that there's probably a handful that I never heard of or thought of. Right. So if there's a job setting um, or, you know, a specific job in particular that's out there that has interested you, you've heard of it or you've read about it somewhere, you know, bring it to our attention mm-hmm. because – it's very possible we've never encountered it and it could be something we can add to our list to look into. I think that's great then that you have the student involvement as well, because, you know, my impression would be that they're the ones that have, you know, kind of the, the insight as to the, the even new and emerging settings. Uh, and I use that in comparison, you know, I'm, I'm a 2006 graduate. Um, I mean, that's really where the, you know, the, the, uh, clinical athletic trainer role in the healthcare setting in terms of, uh, the orthopedic practices was, I mean, that was at the time, like emerging, that was, that was very different at that time. Um, but I think that's probably you know, of valuable than that the students have involvement with this committee as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because you and I graduated within a couple of years of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, all I remember hearing when I first started in my athletic training program was you're, there's going to be a job available for mm-hmm. you when you graduate. You know, it, it, the, the, the conversation never took place surrounding what salary would look like, but right. it was, this profession is growing. There will be a job for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, in many ways that's still true. Um, but with all these emerging settings, it's become a whole different uh, animal within itself and going back to your point about having a student liaison uh, yeah it's it's in it's a whole different thought process especially for students today coming out where they had to spend an extra year or two in school mm-hmm. just to enter our profession yeah um they have a whole different outlook and you know one thing i can say in my position and you know fortunately for me i didn't have to deal with this because it took place on the national level with our company but Take a sport like pickleball. Pickleball has 
taken the world by storm uh, to the point now where no uh, well select medical which mm-hmm. is novacare's yeah. parent company is now involved with the professional pickleball association yeah. so is that still down in uh, that, atlantic city there was a big tournament down in atlantic city i remember at one point there is a big tournament yeah. down there um honestly i don't deal with the pickleball side sure. of things so <laughs> i can't speak to that too yeah. much yeah but but yeah it's you know it's while this is professional sports um it's something new and different. So having a student voice um, or having a student to come and speak for the other students that she has or her peers um, brings a whole new dynamic to the committee. Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh, I, I could say uh, from experience now trying to get you on the on the on the episode today, uh, you must regularly check uh, Copa Pats at Gmail dot com. That's C-O-P-A Pats at Gmail dot com. You know, for any of our listeners, for for those that want to get involved, is that the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and the one thing I will say, because it hasn't happened as much lately, it did a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm if. Honestly, if, if you do email me, yeah. um, I can help direct you to the right person. Sure. But it's important to understand that the Committee on Practice Advancement um, is not the same as governmental affairs mm-hmm. or these other committees that are more involved with the um, legislative side of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there was a time where I would get a lot of emails asking about um, State Practice Act questions and stuff like that. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to to read through those emails, and if I'm able to answer them, I will. And I, if I have to direct them to somebody else, I will direct them to that to the appropriate person. But um, just understand that you know COPA is more about professional settings and not as much about legislation. And mm-hmm. I know the name gets a little there's a little confusion sure. sometimes with that. Yeah, we'll leave all that other stuff up to uh, to Nikki. Exactly. <laughs> Throw it on her plate. <laughs> Uh, Josh, just throw you one more curveball here before I let you go. Um, you know, for somebody that's, you know, so passionate about, you know, continuing to advocate for our profession, um, you know, what, what would your advice be or closing remarks be for somebody that maybe isn't as involved? Um, you know, the best thing I can say is get involved to the level that you want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't feel you have to be involved. Uh, if it's not something you're passionate about, but if it is a passion of yours, you know, reach out, you know, Mm -hmm. you can reach out to myself, you can reach out to any committee chair and we can help, you know, get you in contact with the right person to get involved with, you know, the appropriate committee. Mm -hmm. Um, but just, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I say this to people all the time, even when I had students, um, you know, don't take on more than you can chew. So, you know, mm-hmm. if it's something you're pa- yeah. passionate about and you honestly don't have the time for it, wait for a better time when you sure. might have uh, a time in your life where, where you have a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's always ways to get involved. You don't have to be on a committee to get involved. So feel free to reach out to me or, or any of the committee chairs and we can find a way to, to bring you in and be a part of Pat's uh, in whatever way is best for you. Josh, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Um, I know you probably have a lot to get to. So, um, you know, we, we greatly appreciate your time. Oh, no, I appreciate being here. This was a lot of fun. And 
I'm happy to come back anytime. And thank you today for all our listeners for tuning in. Let me be the first to wish you a healthy and prosperous new year and a wonderful holiday season with you and your family. I hope you are all enjoying some well-deserved time off. Looking forward to talking to you all in the new year. And remember, let's be better athletic trainers together.